From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Gator Tales is brought to you by UF Health, the official healthcare provider of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm your host, Adam Schick. Sometimes you win even when you don't follow the plan to win and discover more about yourself in the process. The Gators fell behind early in Nashville but stayed the course to collect their biggest road comeback in school history, rallying from 18 down to claim a 37-27 victory. On today's show, we'll recap the Gators' fifth straight win as they hit the bye and get an update on basketball's preparation for tip-off in our roundtable discussion with FloridaGators.com senior writers Scott Carter and Chris Harry. Plus, senior Ryan Farr shares how a Las Vegas native ended up following the less-than-glamorous route of becoming a long snapper and the stories behind the viral videos that have made the specialists the court jesters of the team. But first, the Gators showed their grit once again in a ville, taking their same moxie from Gainesville to Nashville after wins in Knoxville and Starkville. Up next, Jacksonville. And while the team may have a week off, we keep rolling with our Gator Roundtable, beginning with Scott and Chris sharing what they learned about the Gators after their latest victory. Well, I'll start with kind of the obvious. They, they found a way to come back uh, from 18 points down. I mean, it was 21-3, to Adam, and you know, it's still midway through the second quarter, but you realize at that point that, you know, whatever good had transpired the previous week against LSU certainly wasn't important to Vanderbilt, and it didn't carry over to the start of that game. And the Gators are looking at an 18-point deficit. Historically, the you know, they, they haven't done well in uh, on the road when facing large deficits. But they were able to move the ball. You kind of felt that they had a chance. And, you know, each drive you could see them kind of chipping away. Got it to 21-13, I think, by halftime. And then really took control in the second half. But that was the kind of adversity that you saw really against Kentucky uh, in the second game of the season. They were down. And it was almost like they were trying, but they just, for whatever reason, they weren't able to execute enough to, to overcome that. And that was at home. So to go on the road and get down by 18 early, those 11 a.m. starts locally, I mean, that's tough to roll out, roll out of bed and go play a football game. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot of theories, like maybe the, the incident between the coaches when each team came out, maybe that woke them up. Uh, the early turnover, obviously, that first drive, they looked great getting into Vanderbilt territory. But then the turnover, and after that, for the next 15, 18 minutes of game clock, I mean, it was all Vanderbilt. Uh, and yet, the Gators found a way. Uh, as Dan Mullen said afterward, they didn't follow their plan to win this week at all, but they were still able to find a way to win the game. And I think that's really what I took out of it. They they found a way to overcome that early adversity and still come away with the road win and set up the bye week uh, in, a, in good fashion. I tell you, one way to learn what, we learn is to listen to Dan Mullen because you watch the the tweets that come out from the locker room. Some of those really really good uh, uh, camera shots that Gator Vision does of those of those real live moment those real time moments. Dan Mullen says a lot of the same things, Adam, to his team that he'll come out and articulate to the media. I think this team is a tough team. It is a it is not a team that's going to out talent 
people right now. Maybe that's something for us to talk about uh, down the line with what direction this program is headed. But uh, this is the team that, that Dan Mullen inherited with the exception of a few guys that he brought in. Not a lot, a whole lot of true freshmen that are, that are making um, uh, major impacts on this, on this team. So um, what they're getting from toughness is what Dan Mullen and his coaching staff, and this is important, the strength and conditioning coordinator, Nick Savage have uh, uh, forged since they took over last December. And you walk a sideline all you want on the road when you're down 18. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. You can tell them the game's not over. Keep playing, keep playing. They don't always listen. But uh, uh, I was really impressed that um, I think it's good when you're down 18, that it's early on in the game and you kind of got it chance to get your bearings and everything but make plays the momentum play at the end of the first half with the with the Pirine uh, uh swing pass for the 63 yard gain down to inside the 10 yard line was huge they take a field goal into into the half and now and they're getting the ball and they know that that fuels confidence so um thing that I'm liking about this team like I said is the toughness but I also am starting to learn that this offensive line that was a major concern for everyone going in the season and showed to be a major concern, uh, I think, uh, early on in the season, is getting better. The game progresses. The Gators seem to be doing better at running the football, and that is certainly a recipe for success in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, I think a prime example, of course, is the first play of the fourth quarter, a critical third and three in a, in a, in a, in a, when, you're, when you're down one and come out and just power the ball right up the gut Jordan Scarlett, 48-yard touchdown run on the first play. Now everything is in your favor. You have confidence. You have momentum. You've, you've proven to be tough on a, very, on a play that requires to be tough. So all those things that I kind of talked about um, all fall into that one little um, one moment in the game, which was obviously at that time the biggest play of the game and certainly uh, helped fuel what was uh, turned out to be. Uh, equaled the greatest co- road comeback in, in Florida football history, which is saying something considering they've been playing football around here since 1906. I think a lot of fans felt like that wasn't a game that Florida would have won under the previous two coaching staffs. I'm curious, Scott, from your standpoint, what do you think is different about this staff and how they went about handling the adversity that that game brought? But I thought Dan Mullen's most telling quote after the game the other day, Adam, was he spoke about that and He's basically said, when you get down, you, you obviously can't panic. And his message to the players, and I think his direct quote was, don't go out there and try to you know, be a cowboy and, and fly solo. Stay with your assignments. We're going to coach and scheme it up. We're going to have that part covered. As long as you guys you know, do your part, we'll handle the coaching part. So don't try to do more than what you can or expected to do. Because when you start trying to do that, then everything kind of falls apart and I think that's really as good of a, a point as as he's made and probably why they they were able to overcome because guys didn't panic they stayed within the system they started to execute and make plays and you didn't see guys going out there and just trying to uh, trying to be the hero I guess and trying to do it on their own because you know one guy out of position at, on defense for instance a, a running back cuts back got a lane open you stay on your assignment, uh, he cuts back. The the linebackers there, you know, cuts a uh, you know what could be a big game to a three or four yard gain. Those things add up over the course of a game, and 
I think the Gators have done a good job as really heeding the advice of the coaching staff. And, and if you've watched Adam, I mean, that's one thing we've learned about Mullen and this coaching staff, whether it was at Mississippi State in the second half, LSU in the second half, or Vanderbilt up there. They got a knack for making the halftime adjustments, players staying calm and just relying on, on what they've been taught and prepared for. And then you mix in a trick play here and there, which is they've done for three straight weeks. It adds up to some wins. But in the past, I think we've seen some situations where the Gators just kind of lost focus and uh, it became an issue where, you know, a big play cost them here and there and they end up losing what could have been a winnable game if, if maybe some guys had stuck to their assignments. You mentioned the trick play of the week, and this time it was a fake punt. It was uh, Tommy Townsend showing that it's not only his brother that has a lot of athletic ability, he does too. So I'm telling you that this Townsend family, they're great punters and, and clearly they're great athletes as well, which gives the coaching staff a lot of flexibility on different ways you can use them, especially when it comes to trickeration like we saw against Vandy. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Johnny Townsend, obviously, with the Raiders now, had a great career. And you wondered if that was a position that was going to suffer because, I mean, he to me, he was the best punter in the country the last couple of years and left as the SEC's all-time leading punter in average. But yet his younger brother, Tommy Townsend, stepped in there, gave him a great weapon. His field-flipping ability has been obvious. I don't think he's quite averaging the uh, number of yards that uh, Johnny did, but he's improved steadily as the year has gone on. And obviously, he did something that even Johnny didn't do in terms of fake punt the other day, ran for an 18-yard gain at a critical moment. You know, I think it was fourth and three from Florida's 37, trailing at that point, and Dan Mullen rolled the dice there as he has uh, the past few weeks. And again, it's all about timing, Adam, in these trick plays and And you've got to execute, but at the same time, you've got to really catch the defense off guard. And they did because once Townsend got the ball, hesitated for a moment, he took off, and it was an easy first down. And by the time uh, Vanderbilt got a hold of him, he was already in their territory. And Felipe Franks hits Van Jefferson for a 38-yard touchdown pass, and the momentum is all back on Florida's side, and they took it from there. But, you know, I I was joking with the – Clay Townsend in the past. That's the Johnny and Tommy's uh, father. I Unfortunately, no more Townsend brothers are coming through, <laughs> at, least any, at least anytime soon. But Clay and his wife uh, met at Florida in the 70s, and uh, all three, what, the three boys, two of them are punters here at Florida. The Townsend name has uh, been synonymous with Florida football now for several years, and it looks like Tommy is uh, is uh, you know following up uh, Johnny pretty well. Yeah, the Townsends are the uh, the Florida version of the the kicking Colquitts at Tennessee. It's the the <laughs> Gator the Gator spin on that, which is ironic because Tommy Townsend transferred from Tennessee. So there you go. That's right. Started out his career there and uh, came down to Florida to, to replace uh, Johnny, and it's worked out well. And you know while we're on the subject of kickers, I mean you had Evan McPherson named mm. SEC Freshman of the Week this week. You lose what I thought was a strength of this team, obviously, the past couple of years, and Eddie Pinedo and Johnny Townsend. And, and that was a big question mark going into this season, yet I don't think Florida's missed a beat with Devin McPherson and Tommy Townsend. 
No, they certainly have missed a beat at those positions and a position that certainly was a question from last year as quarterback. And it's been interesting sort of watching the, the journey of Felipe Franks through this season, Scott, because he, he's taken a lot of criticism. There's no question about that. And obviously at times he does make big mistakes. And yet he's he's shown kind of a grittiness where even after he makes mistakes, he does recover and ultimately has done a pretty good job of getting it done for Florida. And the guys around him have responded to that. I guess talk about the way his teammates have really embraced Franks and shown the confidence that he is the guy to move this team on offense. They they have, Adam, and I think that's imperative in what we've seen from Felipe because if you don't have that support, if you don't feel like your team has that confidence in you, you're going to struggle. And I think we've seen that last year from Felipe as a first-time starter because he had Malik Zare there. He had Luke Del Rio there, a couple of veterans, and probably had to feel like every time he makes a mistake, there was a real chance he was going to lose his job, and it happened a couple of times. And yet, through injuries and circumstances, he was able to get the job back, but there was still, as you mentioned, a lot of question marks around him going into the year. And I just think it's a case of where it's a young quarterback who is getting more confident. He's improving. He's making some big plays, and that breeds confidence, and it just kind of builds each week. And that first drive, they drive right down the field, and he had a ball tipped, and it did change the momentum of that game in the first half. And they hung with it, and, uh, you know, it wasn't a, really a big mistake on his part, More not like the week before the LSU game when he threw the interception that was clearly on him. But he bounced back in that one, too, and led him on a game-winning drive. Just stayed steady on Saturday up at Vanderbilt. Ended up career-high 284 yards through a couple more touchdown passes. And you look at 15 touchdown passes right now, mm. uh, five interceptions. I think most fans are going to take that from your starting quarterback this late in the season. And uh, I do trace it back in large part to teammates' belief in him, but also Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson's belief in him because Felipe just looks like he's a more confident player. And no matter how talented you are at that position, if you don't have confidence, you're not going to succeed. And I, I think he's finally got the confidence that he probably never really had last year. Georgia is next, but not quite yet. It's going to be a bye week for Florida. No game this coming Saturday, but obviously there's still preparation that takes place. So, Scott, I'm curious, what does the bye week look like from the team standpoint? How does the schedule differ from a normal game week? Well, in Florida's case, it certainly came at a good time, Adam, because, you know, they need some rest. Uh, they played seven straight weeks. Um, some guys are banged up. You know, that's going to be the case every year, but it couldn't have lined up more perfectly for Florida this year in terms of what they've accomplished so far and now going into what is going to be, at least to this point, the biggest game on uh, on the schedule this season against Georgia. The chance for guys to get some uh, time to – you know, just recuperate, rest their bodies. I mean, they're still going to practice Monday through Thursday. But I think after Thursday's practice, you're probably going to see Dan Mullen let them go for the weekend, you know, if they want to go home or just hang around town. Just some time to themselves to catch up on, you know, non-football stuff. It's a time to, obviously, during the week to focus on class and, and maybe catch up there some. The, you know, it's an important week for sure for this team. I, I think in Mullen and his coaching staff's case, they're you know they're going to spend some extra time preparing. But I wouldn't be surprised to see the the staff get away a little bit too because it's just a chance to recharge. I mean, uh, 
at at this point in the season, everybody's kind of batteries a little bit low, even though it's been a, a really good run here for the Gators. You got to remember they've what three of the last four weeks they played on the road, so they've had to travel. You know, there's been a lot going on. So more than anything, Adam, it's just a chance to kind of reboot and refocus for the the home stretch. Because it's the bye week, we have some more time to talk about other topics. One of those that we want to talk about specifically is Gator basketball because only a few weeks away from opening night, and it is a unique opening night because it is against Florida State. So, Chris, I'm curious what's happening right now over at practice, and and I guess kind of in the way that we talked about football last year having to be a little more focused because their first game was Michigan. How much are things directed on opening night Florida State? No cupcake here. Well, yeah, well, one thing you don't want to do, you don't want to start talking about that too much, but it, you, every now and then you hear Mike White will stop practice and go out and reference. He goes, he, he goes, he goes if we do it like this in our season opener, we're going to get killed at Tallahassee. So that needs to be brought up every now and then is certainly something you can, uh, you can use to, to keep their attention. But right now it's all about defense. Uh, and it's all about some of the basic kind of offensive things. And they're trying, and they're trying to find the guys. When I say the guys, I mean, Who's going to play? They have uh, 13 guys that are capable of, you know, being somewhere in that rotation. But you know that 13 guys aren't going to be in the rotation. So there's going to be some attrition relative to minutes. And that's going to, you know, play itself out over the course of the early season games. You don't have a whole lot of time to figure things out when you got Florida State right out of the box, a team that went to the Elite Eight last year and a team that has proven to be quite a thorn in Florida's side having beaten the Gators uh, the last four years. So the Florida basketball practices at Adam now are more about what's going on with them than it is uh, starting to look at, ta- at at what's going on with Florida State. But it's amazing. I mean, a week after next, the week after the, the Tuesday after the Georgia game, Florida will be playing its first uh, exhibition game. They'll play Florida Southern um, in, in a game at Exact Tech Arena. And, of course, they have a quote-unquote secret scrimmage that nobody's allowed to talk about. So don't tell anybody, shh, that'll be, uh, <laughs> that'll be a week from Saturday, the day of the Florida-Georgia game, I believe, um, against Furman. Defense is important. We know that because you just said it and because that's always been what Mike White talks about. But beyond that, which guys in particular are, are showing out in these early practices? Well, I'll tell you what, some, uh, someone who really didn't show out initially um, was Kayvon Allen. Um, the first, uh, I'd say the first week to 10 days of practice, um, uh, whereas Jalen Hudson was. And then I, I think kind of the roles kind of flipped, not because Jalen Hudson was doing uh, was doing any anything poorly, but I just think that's the way at the ebb and flow of practices. Kayvon Allen kind of uh, uh, stepped up a little bit in the time since. And his demeanor and his, believe it or not, his vocality, vocalness, I don't know a word I'm looking for here, but his <laughs> his willingness, his willingness to actually uh, uh, articulate with his voice is something that has been uh, a pleasant surprise and I don't know if it's because Kayvon Allen has, has realized, uh, you know, this is his last year finally. That Kayvon Allen, uh, right now, I believe he's the 38 all-time scorer at his current pace. He could end up being um, one of the top five scorers in the history of Florida basketball. Wow! If you could place itself out, but I think there's who is Kayvon Allen going to be? And I, I don't know if he's that deep a thinker when it comes to his his legacy. But maybe he has realized a little bit. Uh, you know what those guys told me last year about being more physical, about attacking the basket more, of getting to the free, th- free throw line more where, where you make 85% of your shots, being more willing to take on contact, uh, and yes, having, having to communicate more, especially on defense, because if you're not talking on defense, you know, you're, you're a detriment to your basketball team. So 
I think uh, I think the coaching staff has liked what they've seen on that front. Maybe we'll know a little bit more about after that first uh, preseason uh, exhibition and certainly after that first preseason game when we see a little bit more of it. For this week's PAT, uh, I was inspired by seeing First Man, the Neil Armstrong movie, which is really good. I recommend people see it. But it got me thinking about the best movies that are based on real events. So I'm curious for you guys, your favorite movies that have that true story element attached to them. I could pick a lot of movies here because I, I've always enjoyed movies based on on real life uh, stories and you know looking at a dramatic imp- interpretation of something that actually happened and I like the ones that are the best obviously without Hollywood influencing the storyline too much I, I just kind of like to you know get a straight version and the one that you know this is probably a giveaway considering what career path I chose, but all the president's men mm-hmm. with, uh, with Robert Reppert and Dustin Hoffman. I mean, that was a great movie, whether or not you're interested in journalism or politics or corruption, whatever your, your interests are. If you just like good movies, uh, kept you on the edge of your seat. I, I, I didn't see it until I was in college. So it wasn't like I saw it when I was 11 and said, oh, that's where I'm going. I saw it in college after I was already in the school and had an idea of what I wanted to do. But I remember in a class uh, I had to read the book and, and I'm, I, thought, I read the book and I was like, man, this is a good book. So obviously the movie had been out many years by that time. Hmm. So I, I checked out the movie as well. And, and oftentimes I've always preferred books over movies, but this time it was kind of a tie. I thought the movie was every bit as good as the book, and uh, that's one that has stuck with me more than 20 years later. I mean, like I said, I could. there's a lot on my list, but if you're going to make me pick one, that's the one that I would probably choose. You say first man. Scott said all the presence men, which would be a, a obviously a great answer for someone like myself who watched her. And I, and, and I, I love the spotlight movie and, mm-hmm. and, and, and the post, you know, all these the, the journalism movies. But um, I'm going to kind of piggyback on you. Apollo 13 was a great movie. As somebody who was I was a little kid and remember sitting in our den on our black and white TV with the rabbit ears coming out and, and watching watching that moon landing. It was in July and the porch was open and you could hear people like screaming, like neighbors screaming and just, oh, my God, it's what, just mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But Apollo 13 and the way it captured how not just um, America, but the world was uh, on the edge of their seats wondering if those guys were going to come home because they'd already lost the, the space program that already lost three people. And I believe it was the Gemini accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think I kind of. Uh, um, Maybe I gravitate toward these these space movies because another one that jumps out at me that I absolutely love was The Right Stuff hmm. and uh, the, the whole beginning of the Mercury Project and what have you. So taking back in time and you, to think about the mechanical stuff, the machinery they were working on to pull this kind of stuff off uh, back in the day relative to what they have now. I think these movies, uh, those those space movies have done a pretty good job of kind of laying that out and and making it a. a Really, really enjoyable, but also at the same time, really educational for people like yourself who mm-hmm. perhaps weren't around to really appreciate uh, what an incredible, incredible um, uh, time for mankind that was. Yeah, this is uh, a heavily fictionalized version of a real event, but I'm, I'm going to go with Titanic because it's one of my favorite movies and it's the clo- only one of my favorite movies that's actually based on a true story, uh, minus the, the love story part. But Titanic's pretty awesome. I will defend that movie despite all of its detractors. 
Um, and I'm not even. I, even... I, I mean, I mean, <laughs> what Titanic was was a great movie. Okay, good. Like, I was worried. I was worried. Take, I was going to get pushback you, on that. If, 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 when it comes on TV, it's it, it's it's on for like seven hours yeah, now is. with it's all the long. commercials or yeah. whatever. But that was, that was a great movie. Normally, this is where we tell you to follow Chris and Scott for all of your game day coverage. Uh, there is no game day coverage this week, but make sure to check out Scott's stories got going up on FloridaGators.com about Brett Heggie and his football family, pretty much all over the country. Very interesting. So check that out. And of course, they'll be active on Twitter. They always are at Gators Scott at Gators Chris. And then next week, we get to talk Florida, Georgia. Thank you guys so much as always. Hey, thanks, Adam. Thank you, Adam. While many athletes are driven by the pursuit of notoriety and riches, others prefer to avoid the spotlight and are simply there to have a good time. The life of a specialist lends itself to anonymity, which is just fine by Ryan Farr. The senior long snapper is on the field for every punt, field goal, and extra point, yet you've probably never noticed him before. That'll likely change after you hear our fascinating conversation with Ryan that covered everything from becoming a specialist to his love of magic. But we begin by asking how the Gators managed to pull out their latest rabbit from the proverbial hat at Vandy. I mean, I'll say one thing that on the sidelines, I know the score wasn't, I mean, we were down 18 at one point, right? And mm-hmm. just on the sidelines, the feeling was just kind of like that we were, I mean, I almost say that we were winning the whole time. Like it was just like some crazy things were happening, but. I mean, we just felt like, I mean, personally, and the specialists, I think, can attest to this. It's just, we felt like, yeah, we were behind, but we were going to win the game. That's just kind of the feel on the sidelines was we just kind of felt like a better team and we were going to come back and just kind of show them what we have. That's one feeling that we have, like the team now that I don't think that we've had in the past. It's just like when we get down, like the game's not over. One of the things that a lot of the other guys on the team said, and I think definitely fans expressed this as well, is they've seen the Gators play a lot of these games recently, and in the past, you guys wouldn't have won a game like that. So I'm curious, what has this coaching staff done to help you get different results in some of these similar situations? Once again, just like the mental toughness, they've really put that into us, and it's just uh, putting us in situations during the offseason, really making us like push ourselves to the limit of, pushing your mind past what you think you can do. And I think that's something that really like the kids on the team have really bought into. And that's just something that is shown in those games. Like what you're talking about is you may be down, but we can still pull it out. You don't get to be involved in many trick plays with with what you do, but on Saturday, uh, the game really flipped on the fake punt that you helped execute. Can you talk about when you guys put that play in and the anticipation when that got called. Did you know it was coming? How does that sort of come together? We called it from the sidelines and went out there. We weren't 100% sure if we were going to run it because we didn't get the exact look, but they ended up kind of giving us the look, and we ended up running it. And I mean, that was awesome. I felt like a momentum shift, and, I mean, it was sweet. I've never been a part of a play like that, and it was just really cool. My senior season, we get something like that done. We're going to get back to football in just a few minutes, but I want to turn things back a little bit and talk about you and uh, and where you came from. So can you tell us a little bit about your family and uh, where you grew up? Yeah, so uh, I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada. So I'm from a pretty cool city. I, I have my mom and dad out there with me, along with my little sister, Christina, and my older sister, Jess. I lived in Fort Myers, Florida for a little bit when I was younger, but um, it was a big move to come out here, but I loved it out there. It was a really cool spot. I mean, football's not as big there besides, obviously, Bishop Gorman, but I went to Coronado High School and played football there and just saw the opportunity to come out here and keep playing, and I took it. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. I love that out there. Vegas is awesome. 
shout out to the 702. <laughs> what what took your family out to Vegas? Because I think Vegas is a, a rapidly growing city, but I don't think a lot of people uh-huh. know about what industries are out there, why people move there outside of the, the obvious glitz and glamour. My dad uh, got an opportunity to move up in his uh, work. He works in hospitals, like the corporate side of hospitals. So I remember my dad mentioning it to my mom. My mom kind of laughed at him. was like, I'm not moving my family to to (laughs) Vegas. And he's like, no, like, hear me out. Like everybody thinks of Vegas as like this big, like big party. But I mean, once you get outside of that, that strip, I mean, there's casinos, there's a casino, like a block away from my house. And I mean, there's huge casinos, but you don't really don't know that. Like it's very cool city outside of the uh, strip. And I mean, going to the strip, there's so much entertainment there, just the shows and, that uh, the strip provides. I'm envisioning the opening scene of Vegas Vacation, where Chevy Chase is explaining, "No, Vegas is a family destination." I'm, I'm seeing like <laughs> yeah. I'm seeing your dad making that same pitch for why the family should yeah. be there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It wasn't something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the strip and all the entertainment. What are some of your favorite things to do out there, entertainment-wise? Do you go to the top of the stratosphere? Are you about the shows? What what part of that's most appealing for you? My favorite thing, I think, if you're if you're out in Vegas and you're kind of over the uh, just the shows and the like gambling and all that is just people watching. I mean, you can, <laughs> you can walk around the strip and you'll see some interesting stuff going down. It's, I mean, it's funny. Just, yeah. I mean, just walking around, you're going to see like a whole bunch of funny stuff going on. So when did you start playing football and what positions did you play early on in your career? I've played football since I can remember. I started flag football. Like, I don't even remember what age I was. I think it was probably like kindergarten, but I started playing uh, tackle in third grade. And I was playing a uh, fullback and linebacker um, for most of that. And I played peewee all growing up, just continuing with the fullback and linebacker. I actually had an uncle who uh, came to Florida as a quarterback, uh, Scott Rismeller, and ended up playing some long snapper for us. Mm. He kind of showed me how to long snap. So I was also doing that peewee, but I mean, obviously not taking it really seriously, just kind of throwing the ball between my legs. And uh, when I got into high school, I was playing some D-line. And, I mean, I wasn't really standing out. I was just kind of like an average D-lineman. And I was just kind of like, all right, I, I want to get on the field. So I had a similar story to every other long snapper. I wanted to get on the field and kind of pick it up. And I looked up uh, just long snapping on the line, and this guy, Rubio, pops up. And it was like Rubio long snapping. My dad was like, wow, there's people actually getting, like, going to college for this. Like, maybe we should look into it. So I went to my first camp, and I think – I was ranked 32 out of 33 in the country. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was just kind of like, wow, like I'm at the bottom of the bottom. And the 33rd kid actually ended up being in the class below me, so he got moved. <laughs> so I was 32 out of 32. <laughs> yeah, so I just kind of was like, all right. I, I think that was honestly a good thing because I was like, all right, I want to make my way up. Like I'm not going to be the worst in the country at this. So <laughs> I just started working at it and ended up working my way up and getting an opportunity to come play here. That's kind of my story when it comes to uh, transitioning. Specialists often get ignored and shortchanged by fans, by the media, and depending yeah. on who you listen to, even, you know, with within a locker room. I'm curious, what, what's, mm-hmm. the, what's the reality of being a specialist in major college football from your vantage point? So from my point, I think my point's a little bit different because we had Johnny and Eddie the last two years, which are probably two of the most, like, popular specialists you usually see, like, I don't really see people chanting the kicker's name at like college football games for PATs. And, sure. I mean, Johnny was also getting a lot of attention at being like one of the best punters out there. They were getting a lot of fame and it was just kind of like I was a normal specialist. Like nobody really knew who I was. And those guys would give me shout outs. But 
you kind of go, you got to go into it knowing that that's how the, the reality of what a specialist is going to be. And I, I kind of love it. Like nobody really knows who I am. People used to always joke about that. Um, back when coach Mack was here, he used to make jokes about that. And like the, his uh, conferences that nobody really knew my name. I, th- I think it's kind of funny. I, I kind of love it. Like just being anonymous and they kind of make jokes about it. And, but in the locker room, I don't think we have a great relationship, the specialist with all the other guys, like, Nobody really treats us any differently. There's always specialist jokes going around, but I kind of love it, and I make the jokes too. And to the point about your anonymity, which you seem to really relish, you became something uh-huh. of a uh, of a viral video star back during yeah. Fan Day when you went undercover, not to see if you could trick fans, but if you could trick your own teammates and if they would recognize uh-huh. you. Can you can you just take us through? Because yeah. I, I the video is literally hilarious. I could not stop laughing out yeah. loud when I just watched it yesterday before talking to you. It's really, really uh-huh. funny. I'm, I'm curious what you thought when they pitched oh, yeah. that I that that idea to you. Man, well Randy brought the idea to me. He's our video guy and I mean that was hilarious. I was I ate it up. I was so pumped when he told me. And I mean that was some of the most fun I've had while I've been here. Just because I always try to joke around in the locker room. If you ask kids on the team, they'll probably tell you that. But Far always plays. He's always joking around. I mean, we just took off with it. And then the funny part is we get put on, a, I think it was Sports Center Snapchat, and people were letting me know that I was on there. And they were like, oh, this kid, it, they're copying the uh, Chicago Bears uh, quarterback. The only difference is, is he's a long snapper. Nobody knows who he is to begin with. And I mean, <laughs> So I showed it to Randy. He's like, oh, man. And I was like, no, that's hilarious. Like, I started laughing. He's like, wow, like, I'm glad you took it that way. Like, they're kind of ripping <laughs> into me. I just, I'm, I mean, I was laughing. That, that's just funny stuff yeah. to me. That's the type of stuff that I'm in football for, is just those kind of, like, memories and the relationships that we build with players, kind of messing around with them. That's, like, my favorite part of playing, probably. Huh. So were you surprised that so many of your teammates didn't recognize you? To be honest, no. Funniest one to me was Damian Pierce notices me but he goes are you far's brother (laughs) i mean i i had trouble not losing it right there i think it was like rj looks up and is like no that's actually far but he had already signed it so i mean it it was just a great time like just messing with the kids and uh i would do it again if i could who do you feel like you got the worst huh that's a good question i mean thinking back on it uh my favorite one once again probably damien i mean i got the offensive line pretty good i think i got through pretty much all of them and then the quarterbacks too i got through all of them and i think it was like felipe at the end i started messing with him about the long snapper and he's like well who's talking about a long snapper looks up and realizes it was me so i mean that was a good one too and i got through a few of the specialists too man they didn't even recognize that's actually kind of concerning isn't it (laughs) yeah I mean, it kind of holds like holds to the point where you're kind of anonymous. Like, right. uh, I get my job done, and nobody really knows who I am. Now, I want to talk about the sideline annex, which have included yeah. everything from uh, the specialists in the victory formation to uh-huh. uh, simulating holding back the dogs. So, <laughs> this stuff is—I mean, yeah. it's all over Twitter. It's really, really funny stuff. Where where do these ideas come from, and and how you decide what you're going to do each week? So, uh, the the victory formation—we've been doing that one. Uh, since I got here, the specialist on Fridays when we do victory formation in our uh, walkthroughs on Fridays, the specialists have always done a victory formation on the sidelines and took a knee. And it's usually the senior specialist that is the quarterback. We started doing it on the sidelines, I think, this year, just kind of messing around. And on this last one, I look up and the ESPN guy is facing towards me with a camera. I was like, holy smokes, like this is going down. Here we go. It's my moment <laughs> to shine. 
so we started calling out the mic and all that good stuff. So, <laughs> I mean, that was awesome. But um, the other videos, the Juice Boy videos on uh, away games, we don't really have as many guys there to bring the juice. So the specialists started going over there. And, uh, I mean, we, we kind of always bring it to the next level when it comes to messing around, like, on the team. So we started by, like, hoisting up Jorge Powell, like, in one of the videos, and we're, like, throwing him up in the air on Miss, I right. think it was Tennessee's sidelines. <laughs> and then, I mean, bringing out the specialist dogs was, I, I think that was Jacob Tillman's idea, just bringing out the dogs, and they were going crazy. And it's just funny because it's specialists being dogs on the sidelines going towards the other team. <laughs> so, I mean, they can't be taking us too seriously, but we're just trying to have fun out there. I mean, it's it's a good time. We love that. So you just talked about how important it is for you to have fun. And obviously you guys are doing a lot more of that under Coach Mullen and he encourages that. So I'm I'm curious, how much do you think that change in mindset has led to the success? The idea that you need to enjoy winning because that's ultimately the, the yeah. point of what you're trying to do. I think that's definitely a change in the coaching staff is they really tell us that the most fun you can have is just beating somebody, like just continuously beating them during a football game and just, I can't curse on this, but like kicking some kicking some butt. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just kicking some butt out there and just having fun doing it. And I mean, that is fun. On the sidelines, being dogs, hoisting up the specialist on the sidelines and doing all that stuff. I mean, it's fun. You can see the guys on the kickoff team and the kick returns and kind of looking at us right before they start because they're trying to see what we're doing on the sidelines. If we're hoisting, hoisting up Jorge or – I mean, we have a whole bunch of different ones that people haven't seen yet on Twitter because – saving them for future games but just kind of checking it out and they, they start laughing and kind of going along with us but uh i mean it's a good time that's one thing that i, I don't like to take it too seriously when i'm out there i mean obviously i'm serious about long standing but i i'm big time into enjoying what i'm doing and i do enjoy what i'm doing and it's it's a lot of fun when you're beating somebody and it's a lot easier to enjoy what you're doing when you're doing that you have been around a long time you've had a very long career uh, I'm sure you've yeah. uh, you've piled up a lot of memories over that time. What moments, what games stand out to you when you think about your your favorite memories? I think my favorite memory, whenever somebody asked me like my favorite game I've ever played, it was probably Ole Miss freshman year. Hmm. That game was intense. I mean, that was so much fun just having. I think they were ranked either number five or number three when they came to play us at home, and that's the loudest I've heard the swamp. I mean, that was so much fun. And just that environment was really cool. But I'd say some of my other favorite games is just uh, Tennessee this year, um, Mississippi State, LSU this year. I mean, we've had some great games this year, so a lot of fun. One of my favorite things to do while I'm playing is going on the road and winning. Like, that is so much fun. The Swamp is awesome, but going into somebody else's house and taking what they want, that's just a crazy feeling. And the, the fans start leaving, and it's like a – mini home game because it's all florida fans chilling mm -hmm. and there's not as many people but it's like i kind of call it like a high school home game when we go play somewhere else we start beating them and the other team's fans leave so you're like a cheers when we're when we have big plays but it's not very loud mm -hmm. so it just kind of reminds me of playing a high school home game hey, you do seem like a guy with a lot of interests, probably unique ones we don't often hear on this podcast so i'm curious outside of football what are some things you enjoy doing i'm, I'm big time into fishing on my off time i do a lot of that and uh, I hang out with my girlfriend a lot, Jill Alonzo. And then I, I'm into, a, I just got my degree in economics and getting my master's in management. So I, I read a lot of books when it comes to that type of stuff and um, just trying to get ready for life after football. I do want to play the next level, but I'm also being realistic about like kind of trying to start looking into business. And I've been shadowing and looking for an internship in the spring. 
so that type of stuff just like relaxing fishing does that for me i mean uh, hanging out with my friends reading stuff like that you won't catch me usually playing any video games i don't even have like a ps4 or xbox that's one thing that's different about me than most huh. the other kids on the team yeah they all like it but i kind of feel like it's just a little bit of a waste of time it's just kind of like a game i don't know to each his own uh, i heard a rumor that you either are or were into magic is that true yeah back in the day i was i was big time into magic that was uh kind of my thing uh all through uh, middle school and a little bit into high school. Yeah, I got into it when we moved out to Vegas because they have all those magic stores. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, so I still have all my magic stuff. I have a lot of it here. <laughs> I probably don't do it as much because, I don't know, I've just kind of gone away from it. But, yeah, I used to be a big time into that. And I'll do a trick every once in a while for kids on the team. And they always have some good reactions. <laughs> as I'm sure, like, John Dornboss is kind of who uh, inspired me a little bit, too. He was the old Eagles long snapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a Real sports did a big story about that. Yeah, and so, I mean, he's, if you watch his videos on YouTube of him, like, doing tricks to kids on, kids on the team, I mean, that's that's hilarious. I should honestly, like, now that you mentioned that, I should do a video in the locker yeah. room. Big time reactions from that. That's going to be your, your next viral video. What's your best trick that you can do that, that you've pulled off? No, no Chris Angel levitation in there? No, I, I mean, I, I haven't tried the levitation. <laughs> I don't think I have, like, what it takes to do that. I think I'd probably have to dedicate a little bit more. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I used to do the floating car trick. I mean, a whole bunch of tricks when it comes to putting the car back in the deck, finding yeah. it, just, like, making it appear different places. And then, I mean, I have a lot. I should I should really do a video on that. That's actually a good idea. I may have to talk to Randy about that yeah. one. That would be pretty sick. We're going to bring it back to football to wrap things up, as much as I'd like yeah. to keep talking about magic. With a bye week, what are the objectives during a, a bye week, and how important is it at this time with you know the grind that you guys have been through? Biggest thing on the bye week that I would say is best for a team is just getting your legs back under you, and just getting rested for the rest of the next six weeks. And almost like it's important to keep football in your mind, but also getting that like mental break because during the season during camp, it's football, 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 always on your mind. It's just it almost starts to get old. So just getting that bye week in the middle of the season, just kind of get it off your mind for a couple days. And then just to practice, it's more based on us, like getting more, looking at our scheme, getting other kids that haven't played as much in the game and just kind of giving them that experience. And then starting to think about Georgia as well. I mean, cause that's coming up too. And that's going to be an awesome game. I mean, two big time SEC schools this year playing each other in Jacksonville. I mean, that's one of my favorite games every year as well. That's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to that. But then also having this week, we get the weekend off to just kind of relax once again, get off your feet, hang out, get football off your mind, get refreshed almost, like mentally and physically. No question. Well, Ryan, we really appreciate you taking some time to talk to us. And again, we encourage people to go follow you on Twitter at Ryan Run Far, F-A-R-R. Yeah. Check out the videos we've talked about. It's a lot of fun. And we appreciate look forward it. to, there. the bar is now set, Ryan. We got to see that video of you pulling magic tricks on your teammates. That's got to happen. I'm going to have to talk to Randy about that today. That would be sweet. Okay, make that happen for us. We look forward to Will seeing do. it. And uh, good luck the rest of the way. All right, well, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you guys. And that's going to do it for this week's show. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to Gator Tales in the podcast app of your choice, and please leave a review to help us continue to grow. While football has the weekend off, you can catch soccer at Disney Stadium on Thursday and volleyball at Exact Tech Arena on Sunday. Then come back next Thursday as we'll have a full Florida-Georgia preview. Until then, I'm Adam Schick, and I'll see you on the couch.